3: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Inside the Five. I'm Griff. I'm Will. I'm Stuff. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the NBA playoffs, the NFL draft that has already started by the time this has come out, um, a little bit of MLB talk, especially the Red Sox, and then we have some fan-submitted questions. It's a packed Friday episode, so let's get into it.
4: All right, guys, welcome back. Uh, we're going to get things kicked off with round two. The matchup is set. Celtics versus Bucks. Boys, what do we think? I got personally, I have Celtics in five. I'll give my reasoning in a little bit, but I want to hear what you guys have to say.
5: Um, I'm going to go Celtics in six. Um, I think we fall a couple times just just based off of mistakes. I mean if we don't stick to our game, which is what we haven't done, but the last year we played a couple close games, which I feel like could have gone either way, depending on the way the the ball was called. So I don't know. I'm excited to see what happens.
3: I think that the Celtics are the best team in terms of matching up against the Milwaukee Bucks. And I really believe it. Now there's no one person in this league that can match up like toe to toe with Giannis, obviously. Um, but with the way that we play defense, uh, keeping high energy, a lot of switching, it, it's going to lead to confusion to that Bucks' offense. The one thing that scares me though is the Celtics are prone, and, and I noticed it throughout this whole net series, and it kind of worked out for us because they were missing a lot.
5: the Celtics are prone uh,
3: to giving up a lot of open threes. And the Bucs are one of the better teams when it comes to three-point shooting. They have a lot of people that can do it. There's Lopez. There's Portis. Um, there's Pat Connaughton, obviously, greatest six-man in the league. Drew Holiday can shoot it as well. So it's really going to come down to the the three-point shooting ability of the Bucks. And I think the Celtics got this one in five. I think we're going to do quite well against them, stuff.
4: Yeah, and I'm glad you said five. So here's how I think the series is going to go. To be honest, I don't think the Celtics can lose at home. I don't think they will lose at home. I think our home court advantage right now is the best in the NBA. If the Chicago Bulls, who I think are one of the two worst teams who are in the playoffs can steal one in Milwaukee. So can the Celtics. I mean, I think Milwaukee takes game three and then the Celtics will take game four riding momentum game five at home. We are not losing an elimination game at home. I'm sorry, but it's just, I think that's how it's going to go. And I think, I mean, Giannis, in my opinion, is the best player in the NBA. I think he's going to get his, regardless of what we kind of throw at him. I think we're going to do everything we can to slow him down. It just really comes down to the other guys. Whether the other guys are going to hit 30 shots and all this stuff. It's like, let Giannis kind of get his 50. But if everyone else can't score, Giannis can't single-handedly beat the Celtics. So, Middleton being hurt for this entire series is very important. because. I don't know if I would say Celtics in five if Middleton was playing. I'd probably say Celtics in six. So it's like Chris Middleton is one of those guys who can definitely win a game by himself. We've seen it before, and he's a Celtics killer. He always kills the Celtics. And here's kind of a fun fact that I saw. The Celtics projected, like, path to the finals. Started off with Brooklyn, eliminated him last year. Then goes to Miami, eliminated him. To or goes to Milwaukee who eliminated us three years ago, and then to Miami who eliminated us two eliminated us two years ago. So if we were to go through to the finals, it's going to be against the three teams hypothetically that have eliminated us in the past three years, which I think is literally a storybook path to the finals in my opinion. So I, I really hope the Celtics can pull this off against the Bucs. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I think it's gonna be a very hot, hard fought five games. It's just, My opinion, if Chicago can take one in Milwaukee, so can the Celtics.
3: Right. And Milwaukee is one of those teams that you look at in their finals run last year. They had, honestly, a top two. I'd say top two home court advantage. They were loud. They were rowdy. Uh, the streets of Milwaukee were filled, and that was for the whole playoff run, and, and that's not something that we're seeing this year, right? We we saw um, this whole series against the Bulls, and I don't know if it's just because it's a round one matchup and it's like we're coming off a championship. like We're ready to get loud round two, round three. I don't know if we're going to be expecting something different, but they weren't as loud as they usually were, and, and I know when people start to say that, that's when things change. Um, but when it comes down to the Celtics, the Celtics, not only do they feed off of their home court advantage, but they feed off the other team's home court advantage too. They like to ruin days, right? Like they like to ruin fans nights. That's what the Celtics are there to do. And that's the perfect uh, mindset that you have to have going into, um, a very difficult playoff series, especially against a team like the Milwaukee bucks, who are the three seed, obviously not the one where the two, but they're a very good three seed. They're coming off an NBA championship. They're missing out on, I'd say their second best player, which is huge for us. Um, One thing that I wanted to add is that I think this is going to be a very, very, very big series for Robert Williams. I, I don't think that there is a single player other than Giannis if, if they put him on him, but I don't think that'll be the case. I don't think there's anybody that can guard Rob. Will. I think he's too athletic for Brooke Lopez. Um, he he is vertical. He's too big for Bobby Portis. There's really no one that can stop him on that offensive side, um, especially when it comes to throwing lobs to just getting open, cutting on um, into the lane. And I think he's going to do a lot. Um, like we said in the last episode, playing that free safety role, like Will said, um, He's coming off an injury, but I think he's gonna help us a lot on defense against Giannis. And I think he's gonna help us a lot on offense. I I just think he's gonna have the mismatch the
4: whole series. And it's I'm glad you said that too. And especially I don't think Giannis will be put on Rob Will just because of the mismatches that it would that would take place elsewhere. Like you kind of have to have Giannis guarding both Brown and Tatum, kind of playing that free safety role for the Bucs. So if you isolate Giannis on one guy, the, the entire offense is going to move way more smoothly than you want for if you're a Bucks fan. And, X and X's and O's, I really do think we have advantages in three of the two spots. I mean, I trust I, – Smart and Drew Holiday, in my opinion, kind of cancel each other out. Drew Holiday is very good on offense, but Marcus Smart is hot. I mean, Marcus Smart averaged 15 points a game in that first round, which is huge. And defensively, he's Defensive Player of the Year for a reason. Like, we keep forgetting that. He's the best defensive guard in the league. So, next, you have Jalen Brown versus – who's their two guard right now? Wesley Matthews, Jalen Brown.
3: Wesley Matthews, sometimes Grayson yeah.
4: Allen. Like, that that's a win for the Celtics. And then you have Jason Tatum hypothetically against – Giannis plays the four for them, but who's the three? Is that like – Exactly. Middleton's out, so you're missing that. No Middleton, yeah. And then Giannis and Horford. Obviously, Giannis is one of the better players in the league. He's the best player in the league, in my opinion. Obviously, you got to give the edge there. But it's not – like, Al Horford in the past has been known to kind of stop Giannis. Like, I'll always remember game one of that 2019 series, Al Horford had Giannis on clamps, and then they just moved away from that. They tried to put other guys on him. They tried to put Semi-Ojle on him, who got cooked all series. So it's like, Horford – can play how he was in that first round and, and I expect him to because we've had a week off uh, it, it's going to be hell for Giannis I mean you got Rob Will against Brook Lopez which isn't much of a favorable matchup for the Celtics in my opinion because the Celtics like to put Rob Will on a guy who can't shoot right like and everyone just clamp up and usually that's against the opposing team's five however Brooke Lopez is one of the better shooting bigs so it's going to be interesting to see how Ime Udoka matches up with them and he had an all time quote yesterday in the media when asked about like ducking teams, whatever he's like. We're not a track team we're a basketball team we're not running from anyone and I thought that was awesome and that speaks miles to this matchup considering the Bucks tried to lose on purpose to avoid the nets in the first round. All right, and then next moving on we'll have the warriors. Who beat the Nuggets in five last night? Kind of a choke draw by the Nuggets in the fourth quarter. DeMarcus Cousins didn't look like he wanted to lose, but I mean, Jordan Poole—he didn't—he he's he's amazing in my opinion. He doesn't really have a great closeout game, but then Steph Curry—we all kind of forgot Steph Curry existed. So what do we? How far do we think this team goes? Like, I've said the Warriors are back since the beginning of the year. I published that article in November. So I'm, I'm first on that bandwagon. Remember that when it's Celtics Warriors in the finals. But how far do you guys think this team goes?
3: Right. And, and before I say my exact like, prediction, I, I wanted to say Jordan Poole had eight points. And, and Jordan Poole is not actually the guy um that's going to make the finals run for this team, right? He's going to be a very big piece in it. Um, But the thing is, when Jordan Poole slows down, you're forgetting that you have Clay Thompson, you have um, Steph Curry and even Andrew Wiggins who can get buckets in certain moments. Draymond Green holds down that whole team. This is a very complete team. I'd say the most complete team in the Western Conference. I really believe that um their their starters 1 through 5 are fantastic. They um they started with their death lineup last night. And it was kind of weird how they started with it. It it really didn't let Jordan Poole get his early opportunities. Um, But I mean, hey, it still worked out. I live bet the Warriors minus three and a half at halftime that hit. So that was big. Um, I think it was a very good game, very underrated game. The stats don't show up for it for Kevon Looney. Um, He had four points. I think both of them were from lobs. He's someone that can come off the bench and provide quality minutes at center. Um, I think that the Warriors go as far as Steph leads them and not as far as Jordan Poole leads them. Um, So that means they can win a championship because he's proven to do it before they have the team around him. And every time you see the Warriors winning, it's because of a different style, right? And before they had it as – Um, you have the two shooters, your small forward, say Harrison Barnes was a three and D guy. And then they moved to KD Draymond Green an absolute defensive specialist. And then they just had a center, right? Just to grab a couple of rebounds like an Andrew Bogut. Now they're running small ball. They're running up and down the court. It's a bunch of veterans with Jordan Poole, but they don't play like veterans. They have so much energy. It's a high energy team. They go out, they make their shots. This team is my favorite to win the championship. Um, or to make the championship out of the Western Conference. Um, I'm not 100% about them winning it. it. depends on who they play out of the East, but I think they are by far, with Devin Booker being out, by far the best team in the West. How do you feel, Will?
5: Um, you pretty much said everything that I was going to say. Um, Jordan Poole isn't the guy that's going to lead this team to the finals, but he will be one of the most important pieces to this team because the Knights – because obviously we said last episode, Curry's been on the bench. Sorry, and um, pool has been playing, pool has been starting, which is very interesting. Did, I'm, I'm not sure, I didn't get a chance to watch this game, but did they start that lineup with Draymond at the 5 last night?
3: Yeah, it, it was Steph, Poole, Clay, Wiggins at the 4, and Draymond at the 5.
5: So obviously they tried something new last night, so th- that game made a lot more sense than obviously the score did. I don't think they should run that lineup again, if I'm going to be honest. I think that game was way too close for them to close out the Nuggets. Um, but like Griff said, I, they are, I think, my favorite to go to the finals out of the West. They are a far better team than the Suns are without Devin Booker.
4: Yeah, and I mean, it's that death lineup that everyone talks about. It's situational lineup, to be honest.
3: Yes, like, exactly. exactly. That's perfect.
4: You can't throw in that lineup It's just because how they mesh in certain game situations. Jordan Poole comes off the bench and gets his because he's against the other bench players. He's not a his presence isn't the focus when he's on with the other. It's just like how it kind of works out. Like, for example, Derek White for the Celtics is a closer, but he's not a starter for a reason. It's because he comes in in the certain certain situation that matters. Like Daniel Tice is a starter. It doesn't mean that he's going to be playing 40 minutes a game, but this death lineup comes in for the Warriors to go on little spurts. It's just they they can't really hang defensively, and that's why they shouldn't be starting at all times together. And I think that's a good segment to move on to the Mavs up 3-2 on the Jazz after a blowout in Game 6 – or I'm sorry, in Game 5, where a lot of people thought that Utah would carry the momentum over after winning two home games, after winning uh, – I'm sorry, after splitting but winning the most re- recent home game to tie it up 2-2 two to two. – People thought the, the duo of Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert were back, like they're going to be meshing after that alley But in reality, it, it, the Jazz were just out of sorts. It looked like they had wanted nothing to do with the um, the Mavericks. Luca got his. Jalen Brunson's amazing. All the other guys in the Jazz stepped up. They won by that game by like thirty five. Um, do you think the Jazz can win one more? Or do you think the Mavs are just going to win this in six, Griff?
3: I think I think this series is as good as done. Um, I think Luka Doncic is showing that he is the second best player under 25 years old. And you know what? I-, I wanna say my claim right now that Jason Tatum is a better player than Luka Doncic. I know it, I know, I know that would get a lot of backlash. Um, but Luka Doncic is legit, right? And, and he just doesn't have the team around him to really get it done in the long run. And this is the matchup that's gonna play against the Warriors. I think the Mavs take this game, um, even though it is we're going into game six in Utah. I think they go into Utah, who has a pretty good um, home court advantage. I don't think that matters at all. The Mavericks are the better team. The Mavericks have better chemistry. Jalen Brunson has scored the most points so far in, in the NBA playoffs this year, which, I mean, is exactly what we all thought was going to happen. I don't know about you guys. Um, but But I mean, the Mavericks are a great first round team they're gonna lose in five games to the Golden State Warriors. Like, They just aren't a team that's built for the long run. They're not a team that's built to play a legit team. They got lucky um, going up against the Jazz, and Luka's gonna get his. But once it comes down to the point where you have to rely on more than just one player on your team, the Mavs are screwed. And, and, And I think that, I've been saying this since the beginning of the series, both of these teams need serious changes Um, to the organizations, um, whether that be players like the Mavs or, 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 I mean, chemistry like the Jazz. I just think that the Mavericks are good enough to escape the first round. I think they're a lot better than the Jazz are this year. They're going to win this next game in Utah, and then they're going to crumble against the Warriors. I I don't think they're legit, but I think they're better than the Jazz.
5: Um, The series is over. It's as simple as that. Um, my big take from this, the Jazz window to do anything with this team is closed officially after they lose this next game. Um, it's time to blow up the team. The chemistry is not there. We've seen it all year. They, they, Their last true chance was like two years ago. Last year, they might have had a better chance, some might say, but their window is far, far gone. Out the absolute window. They like, obviously, like I said, the chemistry not there. Um, They probably, the Mavs will definitely lose to the Warriors in the next round. I don't think there's any questioning about that. Unless somehow Luka and all of them force a game seven. That's the only way I can see them winning the series.
4: Yeah. And speaking of game sevens, the Raptors and the 76ers, Thursday night, the day of this recording. The huge game six. The Raptors are down three to two, winning two straight games after being down three, nothing at home tonight, have a chance to extend this to a game seven. I think the fifth team ever to or this. The third team ever to force a game seven. Fourth. Yeah, the fourth team ever to force a game. I guess every single number besides four Um, to force a game seven after being down three. This, we're, we were possibly witnessing history. You know, if the Raptors come back and win this series, um, I think I put this up there kind of with, like, the greatest upset or comeback of all time. I mean, no team has ever come back from 3-0. If they win tonight, I can't see them losing game seven, boys. Like, what Same. What do we think? I mean, it's just like you're – it's a backward sweep. I, Joel Embiid is clearly hurt. Like, he can't shoot. And the rest of the – Harden just hates basketball, apparently. Can't perform in the playoff. Doc Rivers loves to choke. And then the other guys in the 76ers are worthless. I mean, tonight they won't have Matisse diebel because he's unvaccinated. And this is a problem. I mean, you're going into Toronto shorthanded in a must-win game. You cannot let the Raptors think that they have a chance. I mean, what do we th- – my mind is all over the place with this game. I'm very excited. What do we think? I think the
5: Raptors are going to win this game, and I think they're going to win this series. I think we're going to win this history. Obviously, I would like to see that happen, just for the history part of it. I, but two, the seventy sixers team is done too. I think they're in the mud again. Which I mean, you like if if all the years that we beat them in the first round wasn't enough, this should be the breaking point of this team. I know they got rid of Ben Simmons this year. They need to look at the whole team and reevaluate their situation because this, if not, is the most embarrassing thing that could happen to any team. I mean, 3-1 I thought was pretty bad, but this is definitely worse.
3: We're not potentially witnessing history. We are witnessing history. The Raptors are going to win this in seven. They're going to go into Toronto tonight uh, um, of the night of this recording and they're going to go out and I think they're going to beat the 76ers by double digits. I think that the 76ers will um, we're talking back to back uh, series where these teams really need to change some things. I think it starts with the coaching with the 76ers, which is um, quite different from the Mavs and the Jazz. Um, Doc Rivers, love the guy, brought us a banner 17, got his ring. Um, Historically, he might be the least clutch coach of all time. And I think he has given up the most blown leads in all time, especially in the playoffs. He's literally known his whole 76ers career has been known for going up 3-1 and losing. And this time he's going to one up himself. He's going to go up 3-0 and lose. I I really, really, really do believe that the 76ers are going to lose this. And not only does it prove that Doc Rivers is past his time now, as much as I hate to say it, you know, he did a lot for us. Um, Not only is he past his time, but James Harden proved something to us. And that was the fact that James Harden isn't a playoff player. James Harden is the definition. I compare him to a Russell Westbrook. He is the definition of a regular season player. He's so fun to watch in the regular season. He gets your highlights. He scores 25, 30 points a game. When it comes to playoff time, James Harden isn't a guy that's going to lead you through the playoffs. James Harden isn't a guy that's going to help out his teammates. James Harden isn't a guy that's going to get you to the second, third championship he's just not the guy that's built to do that he's fun he's not a winner
6: When it comes to service, Rush Truck Centers is committed to making you their top priority. Whether you're looking for same-day preventive maintenance, assistance from their dedicated service concierge team, or 24-7 access to your truck repair status, Rush Truck Centers offer customizable maintenance plans that fit your needs. What are you and your truck waiting for? Schedule an appointment with Rush Truck Center service department, or ask them to dispatch a mobile service unit when and where you need it. Visit RushTruckCenters.com to find your nearest location. You can expect more from Rush Truck Centers.
4: It's. I think you said that perfectly. And for some, I don't think Harden resides with uh, Philly this summer. I think he if i had to say it off the top of my mind i'll probably go to miami or like somewhere that's like a big a big market but like no expectations i feel like the heat are one of those teams that it's a big market they have a decent fan base but if they stink no one really talks about them and if they're good nobody really talks about them that that's james harden you know it's like yeah. in houston it was the same way no one really expected them to do much until they started getting the other guys but yeah, just I, I can't see him resigning in Philly. The pressure is too immense and he's crumbling under the pressure right now, especially if they blow this 3-0 lead. They have to blow it up. You know, they, they, they have no choice. It's like this year is one of the only years in recent memory where the Eastern Conference is wide open and they have now is their chance to win something. And If you blow a 3-0 lead in the first round, you can't compete against the better teams that advance. So, I, I and that's all I really have to say about the Raptors. But how about the absolute thrilling series of Memphis in Minnesota? The fact that they're going back and forth, consistent comebacks from one side. Every game has been closed besides game two, I believe. Ja absolutely had the best dunk of the year. I mean, I was about to say all time, but obviously they've been better, but I've Who's the announcer? Was it um, Ian Eagle? Yeah, I think it was Ian Eagle. The, Bad the NFL jawbreaker. announcer, good
3: NBA announcer. Yeah, I'll say the that.
4: Jawbreaker, <laughs> that was awesome. That was the best call I think I've heard all year. Uh, the Timber, I mean, the Timberwolves kind of blew another lead. What, what's I don't know what's going on with them, but Jod took over in that fourth quarter, boys. You know he he's kind of proving to everyone who's like, oh the. The Grizzlies are better without Jaw. all this stuff. No, they need Ja. Ja is their guy. He brings this energy that is unmatched. No one else can bring that energy for that team. And this is going to go seven games, but I think Memphis will pull it off. I don't think they're going to win in the next round. I think that Golden State is miles better. But what do we think? I mean, for game six and possibly seven for these guys, Well, I'm interested to hear what you have to say.
5: It is so hard to root for this Timberwolves team. Like, absolutely so difficult. Not that I want to see Ja lose. It's just, like, I like the upset here. Like, I we've, I think I've talked about this many times before, that don't let the T-Wolves get into the series. But every time they seem to get themselves into the series, they seem to lose it in the same game, and Memphis just comes back, which just proves that they're the better team. So, I mean, I expect the Grizzlies to take this series, and I don't want to say don't be surprised if the, the T-Wolves win.
3: Interesting. So two two more for them to come back, and obviously they play in uh, Minnesota uh, come game six. I think that this was a game for, for John ja Morant to really prove himself. Now, the first couple of the games, um, especially the games that they won, when they went on the big runs, Ja wasn't on the court, and, and, and it's been sown throughout the regular season. I think they went, what, was, was it like 20-2 and two without him or something like that, which is insane. But when it comes to the end of the day, the the number one thing that a team needs in a player is someone that's not afraid to take the last shot and someone that's not, um, not it's not out of question that he's going to make it. And John Morant is that guy, right? Like he is the guy he needs to be on the court. So I, I really don't like when people say they're better without John because they might win more games. But if you get in these close games in the playoffs, John Morant is the definition of a guy that you need out there. Um, Ian Eagle, I said, uh, bad NFL announcer because he is. He is a good NBA announcer. And, and stop, you're right. That that's the best call we've heard so far because we haven't got a healthy dose of playoff Mike Breen. We we haven't heard enough of Very him true. yet. And, and come come the NBA finals, Mike Breen will give us multiple 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 things um, that we are going to remember for many years to come. So I just wanted to say, Mike Breen, best NBA announcer maybe of all time. Um, th- this series is awesome, and, and this is the best two-versus-seven series. Um, going up 3-2, Memphis needs to really lock it down. They are a team that folds when they're not at home, and it's weird because their home court advantage isn't even that good, in my opinion. But where- when they're on the road, I feel like they play down, um, to the T-Wolves. I don't think the T-Wolves are as good as Memphis. I don't think they're shooting as good, and, and I don't think they're as ready as Memphis is. Just the fact that Memphis is the two-seed, um, they they in their head, they're like, we're better than the T-Wolves, and it looks like in, in the T-Wolves' head, it's like, we're not as good as them, so we have to try even harder, but when they go down, they don't get back up, and that's a big problem in the playoffs, and that's why Memphis is coming back from these leads. The, the Timberwolves, this is, this is a good little series for them. They're going to be done after this, and we're going to have a couple more playoff runs for years to come with Ann Edwards, D'Lo, and Cat. This is a fun, exciting team. Um, the last thing I wanted to say about this series is John Morant's dad is somehow best friends with Usher, and they look exactly alike. <laughs> that might have been the most surprising thing that came out of that game, and that game brought us a lot of highlights, and that was one of the better ones. That was insane. I don't know how T Moran is friends with Usher. I don't know how that works. Um, but he's fully taking advantage of his son becoming a superstar. Um, and he's the next LeVar Ball. He's also John Moran's biggest hater is his own father.
4: Yeah, that is. I think that story is awesome. I, I think it was part of my take when John ja was. was talking about that. <laughs> like John ja will go. What, for those who don't know, John ja will go score like sixty one night or whatever hypothetically is. And then his dad will text him like, you suck. Like. You missed all those shots. You took way too many. Like, he's his biggest hater, and I think that is just <laughs> a, a hilarious story. And I think that will wrap up the NBA. Um, the playoffs, I mean, the series is, uh, should come to a conclusion probably by the next time we record. Um, let's Pat. I mean, Griff, break down the NFL draft for us. I'm very excited. I mean, this kind of crept up on us. I didn't even feel like. I don't feel like this is tonight.
3: Right. And and as a college student, a sport management major, um, and a big guy when it comes to marketing, I think they did an awful job. I I don't know how how much people care about this, but I just want to say the NFL draft is something you should look forward to because it's the end of April right we haven't seen football in months and i honestly couldn't care less about the usfl i don't know if any of you guys have watched it i watched a couple of games it's all right but whenever anything happens in the nfl if they like show it off at all they will get millions of people to view it. this is the biggest sport in america um you could say baseball is america's pastime you could say basketball everybody loves basketball everyone watches football. If you're an American, you watch American football. It is the biggest sport. They did a bad job this year. Mark, I don't think that this draft class is as popular as the past years. And I think it's kind of stupid. And and I know why. The only reason why this draft isn't as big is because of the quarterback talent. This isn't as much of a quarterback draft as we've seen in the past few years. Usually you get one, two, maybe three quarterbacks in the top 10. My prediction is there will be none. I don't think they sh- there should be any. I wanted to get that out of the way. Um, the Jacksonville Jaguars, Jaguars, the second year in a row, they have the number one pick. Um, and that brings up a lot of questions for that organization. They had arguably the worst um season like all together not just wins and losses just as an organization that you may have ever seen in NFL history this is a big moment for them to go out there get a number one pick once again and um the weird thing about this year's NFL draft is the number one pick is not a lock right we don't know who it is and that brings up the question and Stav I'll ask it to you first who do you think the Jags are going to take with the number one pick
4: well It should be Aiden Hutchinson. However, the GM loves Trayvon Walker, who who is a pretty good player, and he had a really good combine. It's just Aiden Hutchinson. I feel like is the no brainer. Like he had the best season. He's probably the best defensive lineman, especially that's a void that they're trying to fill. Pair up someone with Josh Allen on the other end. But the reason why I think that the GM loves this position or uh, loves Trayvon Walker is his speed at that position. You know he and josh allen are two of the faster defensive and lineman hybrid type players where if you have speed that can run sideline to sideline you are going to stop the run it's just aiden hutchinson i feel like is a little more versatile than trayvon walker and in some ways but it, yeah trayvon walker is probably going to go one and i don't necessarily agree but what do i know
3: what's your pick will
4: um, just because the GM
5: literally said that they want Trayvon Walker, I'm gonna assume they're gonna pick Trayvon Walker. Um, to be fair, I'm not. I like like you said earlier, there hasn't been much like notoriety around the draft this year. So honestly, it kind of crept on me a little bit too too close. I'm not even too keen on the draft. I wasn't even looking that far yet in the season, but like I still know a few names, but I'm not as in depth with it as I normally am.
6: Yeah.
3: And, and that goes to my point. Like, they honestly, in my opinion, it wasn't just the NFL. I don't think anyone really did a great job of showcasing that the fact that the draft is here. And, and it's the fact that there isn't a lot of guys that have a large following. Like, in, in the NBA, we saw it this past year um, with Cade Cunningham going number one. There wasn't a guy that, like, remember Zion in high school. Like, we remember these guys, Lonzo Ball. Like, literally everybody gets so much hype. There's not a lot of guys with a ton of hype um amongst like our age group so so that's like a big downfall for that because that's a big uh, amount of viewership the the jacksonville jaguar stuff should take aiden hutchinson um trayvon walker this is the perfect example of a guy with a lot of upside um a high ceiling but a very 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 low floor aiden hutchinson um, to, to compare it in, in other terms, it, it's it's a pick that won't miss, right? You know exactly what you're getting from a guy like Aiden Hutchinson, and, and that's production. He, he's, a, he's an anchor. He's someone that will give you 110% at all times, and you know what his 100 110% is. That's a Heisman finalist. He, he is a guy that has proven it at Michigan. He was the best player, On the defensive side of the ball in college football last year, it only makes sense for him to go number one. I think if they take Trayvon Walker, it's a big risk. I think if Trayvon Walker um, reaches his ceiling in his career, he has the potential at 6'5", 290 to be one of those guys that comes off the edge, but can literally play anywhere on the D-line. Aaron Donald, a little bit different in terms of measurements. You know, he's a little bit shorter. Um... I think he's like 20 pounds less than Trayvon Walker. But Trayvon Walker is a guy that can play nose. He can play D tackle. He can play end on either side. Um, He he has a lot of speed. And and that would be great with Josh Allen. But I'm just saying Aiden Hutchinson just seems like the guy that's like, this isn't a hit or miss. This is a hit. While while Trayvon Walker is a hit. But moving on, um, don't want to just talk about the first pick because, of course, there's seven rounds in this NFL draft. Um, We're going to talk a little about you guys' team first, which is um, obviously the New England Patriots. They have the 21st pick in the first round of this year. Um, A lot of holes, in my opinion, outside source, a lot of holes on the defensive side, Stav. And and that's why I want to ask you first. That's what I notice. Do you think in the first round they should go out and get defense? Or do you think they should go out and get an offensive playmaker?
4: Um, My personal opinion, a dream scenario for the Patriots is to draft. Um. Oh my God! I can't believe I'm blanking on his name right now. The Georgia middle linebacker, not Quay Walker, the other kid, Devin Low. No, no. De- what the, well, how can I blank on his name? Oh my God! This is embarrassing. This is very embarrassing. The middle yeah. linebacker. <laughs> I've been talking about him all week. This is. I am sorry to the Tyndall? No, this is this is just awful. Awful journalism by me. Wow, I apologize. Okay, so I'll just talk about, I'll just talk about, um, Johnson. No, oh my god, okay, so dude, what the hell? <laughs> this is Nicole B. <laughs> Thank you, okay. Okay. Oh, Kobe Dean. Yeah, 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 The, the dream we, – we might have to cut that part out. But the dream scenario for the Patriots <laughs> is to draft Kobe Dean. N'Kobe Dean should be the first player on that list. And then right behind them in 2A and 2B should be Quay Walker and um, Devin Lloyd. Wow, I'm just forgetting everyone's name. Those are three linebackers, our sideline to sideline guys, in which the Patriots severely missed. We could barely stop the outside run last year. and Scrambling quarterbacks really are kryptonite. So we have a lot of very good safeties. I've, in my opinion, we have four starting caliber safeties with Devin McCordy, uh, Adrian Phillips, Jabril Peppers, and Kyle Duggar. Kyle Duggar is an outside uh, lineup, like hybrid type guy who can guard the tight end and who can guard slower receivers. Same thing with anyone. Jabril. Pe- yeah. Same thing with Prep Peppers. McCordy's kind of a little older in age, but mm-hmm. those are three defensive pieces I think we shouldn't get anyone else on defense. However, Going to offense, I don't think we really need a playmaker in the first round. I think that we should solidify the offensive line and draft Zion Johnson, the guard from BC. Because right now, the Patriots' offensive line is David Andrews, Michael Owenu, Isaiah Wynn. That's the the center on the left side. And then on the right side, we don't really have a right guard considering Shaq Mason's in Tampa. But then Trent Brown's the right tackle who who loves being here, who's a great player, in my opinion, when healthy. So if we can kind of solidify that right side of the line with Zion Johnson, that's a great thing. And then in the second round, I really think that they should try and get Mechie. I think Mechie falls, and I think the second round is a perfect spot for him. I've heard rumblings about different corners and stuff, but I don't think that any real playmaking corners are going to be available in the second round. I think Sauce Gardner and Derek Stingley are the two best, and then the talent kind of drops down.
3: Agreed. Yeah, and it's weird for the Patriots because, especially you noticed it against the Bills in that playoff game. Um, Middle linebacker, and I'm I'm gonna name names. Jawan Bentley was the worst starter on that team, and it's because of his speed. He's slow, and one thing that's good about him is that when he wraps up, nobody breaks his tackle. It's just the fact that he doesn't actually get to the person to actually tackle him. He's slow. He's bad. He, he he's borderline terrible. Um, <laughs> um, and linebacker is a position that the Patriots have been very like set on for many years. Um, so it, it, it kind of comes to a surprise that they haven't developed anybody yet. This is the perfect, uh, year to go out and get a linebacker. I think there's a lot of talent there. Um, whether it be one of those Georgia guys, which I think they have about three linebackers that you could take in the first or second round. Um, Devin Lloyd from Utah is another name um six three two thirty five who, who could be very talented um and, and around that 21st pick will with, with the patriots you know how they love to use their first round pick and, and their favorite way to use it is to not use it and, and that leads me to the okay, question for you um do you think that the patriots are gonna try to trade down maybe get another pick in the second round and, and maybe try to get someone else or do you think we're picking here
5: um, in my opinion, they should pick here, depending on the value of a potential trade. I could definitely see it happen, but in my opinion, I think they need to go do what the Carolina Panthers did a few years back and just go all out defense. And hopefully, someone breaks out and becomes very, very good. I think that would help us in the long run, especially if we go all defense. We draft a few guys, a couple of like one of them becomes really good, another one becomes all right, and we can develop him a little bit more. Then that's even better for us. I feel like the offense, we can kind of work around some trades and even figure that out as time comes. I feel like the team would really just mesh well and kind of come together a little bit easier than trying to just break it even, try to draft a little bit of defense, a little bit of offense like we normally do. And kind of just, I don't know. I feel like I feel like if we break that trend, the Pats will become a better team. Right. And,
3: and I think that the Patriots are a team that, Not only do they have a few holes, but I think that they have the perfect opportunity to fill those holes through the draft. Um, I I don't think they need to go out and go get veterans, right? I think they need to go get guys that are going to be there for the next five years and and make runs together. I think this is a team that's looking to compete for um, the AFC East against the Bills. And now the Dolphins, if Tua turned the ball over, can be, I mean, anything because he has – the best wide receiver room in the league. Um, With the Patriots, we talked about their defensive hole stuff. What would you say their biggest need is on the offensive side
4: of the ball? Offensively, I mean, a right guard is ideal, in my opinion. Um, I think solidifying that offensive – hold on. Solidifying that offensive line is something that they should really be looking to because especially in that Bills game – um. The offensive line kind of got exposed. Mac Jones really didn't have much time. And in the second half of the year after they kind of went on that win streak, Mac Jones was get, getting pressured way too much. And can't have a young quarterback being flustered like that. And I really do think that they're going to go into some sort of a spread look. So uh, Jacob Johnson, the fullback, who's on the Raiders, said this in his presser that the Patriots are probably looking to move away from the I-formation downhill offense. And they want Mac Jones to kind of showcase his abilities. And they're going to probably be going three, four wide and you need a good offensive line to do that. If you don't have a good offensive line, you're not going to have any time. You're not going to be able to throw the ball. And I think our receivers, everyone's saying draft receiver, including myself, but if we don't get any more receivers for the rest of the off season, I wouldn't be surprised just because I trust guys like Kendrick Bourne, Devontae Parker is a huge acquisition and Jacoby Myers has been very consistent for us. I mean, there's a question mark around Nelson Aguilar, but we still have Hunter Henry and Johnu Smith. Johnu Smith thrives in a spread offense, so we have pieces, and we got Ty Montgomery, who's a hybrid type player. So the skill we have a surplus of skill positions. We have James White back as well. We have four running backs who can step in and play anytime, and it, it's going to come down to scheming, which I think the Patriots always do very well with scheming, and it's going to come down to if the offensive line can hold up. So a Zion Johnson pick would be great, and. Um, I don't know. I'm just, it's, we're right there in my opinion, offensively. It's really just how far the defense can take us because the bills and the chiefs, I feel like after watching that game, uh, they're on another league. you know, like they're just like up here and yeah, or the Chiefs last year, at least, I don't know how they're going to really form without Tyreek, but the Patriots wouldn't beat any of those teams in the playoffs right now. They got to kind of step up a little bit and build some holes, you know? Will, what do you think? You think that they should go a little more skill positions, or what do you think about the line?
5: I, I think we should stick to the line. I mean, we have so many players that we can, I don't I don't know. I feel like looking back at all of our past teams, which is obviously one of the things that we like, I feel like we always go back to, but like we never like we had stars, but we never always had every single star, if that makes sense. We didn't have the best player at every position, but we made them work and we made them into a better player, which is I don't see why we can't do that. I mean, If we draft O-line, we're going to be successful. And if we stick to drafting defensive players and we really create that defense, which is what we're known for, having great defense and staying grounded on offense, we should be able to be a good team. There's no excuse there. And like Griff said, there's no reason to be getting veterans right now because I don't think we're in a win-now mode. There's no need to be. I'd rather win in five years than waste everything we have now and win in two years.
3: Right. And, and I don't even think it's the fact that I mean, in the NFL, the top 20 teams are in like, quote unquote, win now mode. But like, you're right. Well, like they're not going to compete for a Super Bowl come this year. And, and that's the exact reason I said the veteran presence, because think about the NFL in general. If you go out and draft a guy um, that pans out, they pan out right away because there there is a long life uh, lifetime in the NFL when it comes to players careers. So drafting or drafting a rookie compared to signing a veteran, he's going to be a veteran literally the next year. That's how it works in the NFL. Everything is sped up. Um, So it it just makes more sense to let let a team grow together. Speaking of team that's growing together, we got the Los Angeles Chargers, the podcast team, Um, none of our favorite team, but our favorite team, right? Um, They have the 17th pick in this year's draft, and and there's a lot of questions coming from SoFi Stadium, the team that runs SoFi starting now after the Rams Super Bowl. Um, The Chargers have an interesting format, right, where we have Eckler at at our running back. Um, Obviously, Herbert's going to hold down QB. We got some wideouts. Offensive line isn't terrible. I'd say there's a few moves to be made there. Um, but that's not something I'm looking for in this with the 17th pick for that team. Um, when I look at the Los Angeles chargers and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, the addition of Khalil Mack kind of seals up that defense, right? If anything, maybe another cornerback, once again, looking in the first round. Um, Stav said it best. There's two corners that I can see going top 10, and that's Sauce and that's Derek Stingley. Other than that, I don't think I'm gonna see a corner, maybe even the rest of the night. Um, if anything, mid round two. But when you're looking at the 17th pick, there's a lot of different things that the Chargers could use there. First, they could trade, which is always an option. Um, but an idea that I've been thinking of is this class, this draft class. Is stacked at two positions, edge rusher, which I think the Chargers are set at, um, with Bosa and Mac, and, and wide receiver. I really think that if they go out there, and this may sound weird because we got Mike Williams and, and we have um, Keenan Allen, if we go out there in the first round, we take a wide receiver. This sets us up perfectly for Keenan Allen to to kind of slow down, right? Because this year, if we have a rookie wide receiver, put him in. The, the three spot Keenan Allen gets his Mike will gets his, and, and we let this guy progress into our potential. Number one, a name that I'm looking at and, and I want to hear um, how you like a couple of these names. Will there's Traylon Burks from Arkansas, who in my opinion is a top three wide receiver in this draft. Um, Olave who on most Chris Olave from Ohio state, who on most draft boards, they have him going on um, around 15, 16, either the Eagles or the saints could fall one pick um to the chargers two of these names these are two potential wide receivers that could actually be pro bowlers will um do you think that it's worth taking a wide receiver in the first round for the chargers or or do you think we're going to actually have keenan allen for the
5: next three or four years um i want to say like i would like to think that way but honestly i want to feel like don't be surprised if they trade the pick and Right now, I'm t- I've just been looking at a few of, like, who they're looking at and who they're projected to have. Right now, at 17, they're projected to pick Kair Alam, the corner from Florida, which they don't necessarily need a corner right now. I feel like they're kind of set there, but obviously he is very talented. Um, I'm assuming these are some later-round guys, uh, defensive lineman Devontae Wyatt from Georgia, which I feel like would help them solidify their D line and then that would really just put their whole team together and if they could even just keep their offensive core right now and trade that first pick for maybe a younger wide receiver somewhere down the line or something like that and not necessarily kind of just they have like I said and I think that would be fine and I don't feel like they would be trending in the wrong direction if they do so but if instead of drafting that first-round pick, if they don't plan on picking a skill position, they should definitely trade it instead of trying to just, like, pick someone up.
3: Right, and I think that the Chargers are a team that when you're looking at the pick that they have at 17, it's like, if you trade it, you as a fan base, you actually can't even really be mad about that, especially depending on who's there at that time. If somebody falls, say, like, a Garrett Wilson or a Jamison Williams... and they're there at wide receiver it it comes down to the point where it's like okay like we actually kind of have to take this guy like this guy might be a superstar and if he's not there will then it makes perfect sense to trade um either trade down or trade for another piece because looking at who else would be after that um you could kind of reach uh for trevor penning who's a tackle from northern iowa but i don't really think we need tackles if anything we need guards um there's Kenyon Green from a and but there really isn't like a ton of value from these guys, right? I don't see a lot of upside from a lot of these um, offensive linemen that aren't going in the top 10, top 15. Now, there's guys that could be potential starters, but I, I think you can really go out there and get a lot of value with that 17th pick in terms of trade. Um, stuff. next year, the Chargers playing in the most difficult um, division, right? Uh, the AFC West. Do you think that after this draft is said and done, do you think that the Chargers are going to be looked at still as a team that is going to be in the bottom half of that? Or or do you really see an upside this year for the Los Angeles Chargers?
4: So, in my opinion, they need to draft offensive line. I think defensively they're set. You get your two corner Mm -hmm. pieces, obviously, with J.C. Jackson and Asante Samuel, Jr., Yep. Derwin James is out there, probably one of the hardest, like if not the hardest hitting safeties, and one of he's one of them. We all know that. The, and we Chargers Yeah, friends. like, it just like you're O-line, it's just like your O line, man. It's like you got to protect Herbert. I mean, you have a Lamborghini. You're gonna put that thing in a garage. You're not gonna leave it out in the in the rain and get it destroyed. So. I don't know. It's like, what do we think? I I just think offensive line is a clear choice. And if you don't like the offensive lineman available, I agree with what you guys said. Trade back. Exactly.
3: Exactly. And that's the perfect way of putting it. It is someone that, or it is a position of need. And when I was looking through, because obviously I'm a Seahawks fan and we'll talk about the Seahawks in a minute. Um, When you're looking at these teams, you want to draft for a position in need not for best available um especially if you're a chargers who who are a young rising team they're going to be playing in a tough division And in my opinion the afc west is going to be the most difficult this year compared to years to come i think that this year is the year that like the broncos are going to be the best that they're going to be in my opinion um the Chiefs took a little decline, but the Raiders are amazing. Um, And and so are the Chargers, but the Chargers are the youngest of those teams, right? And and I think that this is a good year to go out, fill a position in need, um, go win some football games, maybe sneak into a wild card. Um, I'm not saying that's a guarantee for them because they're playing a very tough division. They're playing in a very tough conference. Um, Fill up that team, get some team chemistry going. Um and, and kind of get ready for the long run because that's exactly what the Chargers need to do playing in a division like that. Um, speaking in a tough division, um, a t- the toughest division for the past ten years has been the NFC West. Officially, the worst team in the NFC West is the Seattle Seahawks, um, who originally did not have the first or their first round pick in this year's draft because of a uh, trade with the New York Jets for Jamala Adams. Um. We got a pick back. The reason we got the pick back is is another trade with the Broncos. Obviously, Russell Wilson, everybody already knows about that. We're back in the top 10 exactly where we should be. We have the ninth pick. For everybody that doesn't know, Stav and Will are Patriots fans. Me, I am not a Patriots fan. I am a lifelong, diehard Seattle Seahawks fan from Massachusetts. Don't ask me how it happened. Don't ask me why it happened. I like the colors. I like Matt Hasselbeck. Um, But we have the ninth pick. And there's a lot of questions in this draft, right? For, for the Seattle Seahawks. Um, Do we take defense? Yes. Do we take offense? Yes. Can we have every pick in the first round? No. Is the only way we could be successful in the first round or in this year to have all picks in the first round? Yes. That is literally the only way that we would be good. And I'm starting to stutter on my words because I'm already upset when, it's come to the point where whenever I'm talking about the Seahawks, I'm upset, right? Because they stick. They actually stick. Um, They need, I'll list off the positions they need. They need quarterback. They need running back. They need left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, right tackle. Um, They need a third wide receiver, in my opinion. Um, And then they need every single position on the defense. They don't need a kicker or a punter. We have the best special teams in the league. I'll stand by it. We have the ninth pick, guys. By we, I mean me. There's a lot of names circulating. I love offense here. I love the offensive line, and I want to see from outside sources because I, I give you guys a lot of outside information about the Patriots. From outside sources, Stav, and I'll start with you, what is the first side of the ball, offense or defense, that the Seahawks?
4: Um, You cut out a little bit there, but might be my internet. However, I think that they should go edge rusher. I feel like we haven't really seen Seattle with a dominant edge rusher in a pretty long time, probably since Bennett. But I think Jermaine Johnson is a perfect pick. The edge off of Florida state athletic guy who can pre- play it on both sides of the line. Who's going to be tracking down quarterbacks, especially those who are going to be mobile in the NFC West, because you have Kyler, you have well, minus Matt Stafford, but I, and you know, Matt Stafford, he's sneaky fast. We'll, we'll call him that. He, he's, He's hard to sack. We'll say that. And you have Trey Lance hypothetically for the 49ers. So those are three guys who you need to get, you need to get there quick. He's a guy who's going to get off the ball quick and who's going to have an immediate impact on that defense. And if you have a guy who's causing havoc in the backfield, the rest of your defense plays better. You know, you got guys who are going to rush the passer. And I mean, we don't have Bobby Wagner kind of anchoring that defense now. So I think you need to kind of find a placeholder type player who's going to with the Seahawks and trust on that defensive side of the ball. And I think he's that guy.
3: Right. And I think that Jermaine Johnson is a perfect name. Another name that people have been throwing out there is uh, Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon. And yes. Thibodeau yep, yes. is a guy that was originally top three. And, and Stav, you said yes. I'm going to say no. Um, and the only, literally the only reason I brought up Kayvon Thibodeau is just so I could like roast him. I don't think he's a guy that hustles. I, I think that he's a guy that very, very similar to Jadevian Clowney. When he sees the play open up for him, that's when he tries. But when he doesn't see the play open up for him, he automatically gives up. He's not a guy that's going to run from um, sideline to sideline. He's not going to give a, be a guy that gives 110%. And Jermaine Johnson is, right? I think that Jermaine Johnson from Florida State, from Indy Community College, Last Chance U, he was on the show, wasn't one of the stars of the show because he wasn't a nutcase. Um, He is a better option, in my opinion, than Kayvon Thibodeau. Kayvon Thibodeau is a guy, like I said, when he wants it, he goes and gets it. He doesn't want it at all times. And when you're playing football, you need to want it at all times. You need to give it 110%. And and I think that you're right, Stav. edge rusher is the perfect um, position to get here in the right, at, right inside the top ten at number nine. The only way I could see them not going for someone like a Jermaine Johnson is if um, one of these tackles drop, which, which would be Charles Cross, Evan Neal, or potentially Iquano. I don't think Iquano is going to drop. He's a top five guy. Charles Cross from Mississippi State and Evan Neal are potential fifteen like. 15 year starting left tackles in this league. If they drop to nine and the Seahawks don't take them, I'll never forgive them. I really think that these guys are are guys that are, are, are bright, shining stars. Some of the best players in this draft, if they can fall down to nine and we take an offensive tackle, first off, it would be kind of a big slap in the face to Russell Wilson because we haven't done it in the past 10 years since getting him. Um, But but it would show a lot that we're ready for our future. Right. And and we need to be ready for our future because we're in for a very, very, very long road ahead of us um, before we get back into the playoffs. Um, Before before I start tearing up this classroom that I'm recording in, I'm going to stop talking about the Seahawks. Will, I'm going to pass it to you. The Sox caught a big win. So so take it over. Will. all
5: right, boys, Sox, big win um we needed it really really bad uh we need to win again tonight really really bad i think that's uh, a big key because we're heading into a series against the orioles which we should be able to win um let's see i don't even know where to begin because the last two days have been kind of disappointing well, the last two days besides yesterday so last and whatever you know i'm trying to say Mm -hmm. um i was very happy with the way we played we didn't let them back in the game for once and we kind of just decided to really put the bats to work, which I said eventually what was gonna happen before we started this series. I did say that the Sox were gonna win three to one. Hopefully they split. I think that's the best outlook we could have. I hope we don't lose three to one. I feel like that would just Completely, especially after last night, I feel like that would completely demoralize us, especially heading into a series against the O's, which the last three series we've played against division opponents and we just can't keep losing to division opponents. That will just ruin ruin us for real. Um, I don't really know where else to, where
4: else to go. Um, I, I kind of want to take the mic here and say how much of an impact Alex Cora actually has in that dugout. Um, his return, he kind of looked pissed off yesterday. I don't know if you guys yeah. kind of caught that glimpse. It's a good thing. But, yes, exactly. He looks at this lineup, and he's like, what is wrong with you guys? Like, let's go. And now is the time. We can't keep losing these games. We can't keep choking. And Michael Waka steps in, and he's been nothing but great this season. And someone who mm-hmm. we were looking kind of as a question mark heading into the season. We're like, I don't know if Waka is going to be. It. Is it going to be him or Rich Hill? We're going to move Waka to the bullpen eventually. But, Waka right now is probably our second, third best starter. You know, like you got Tanner Houck and Evaldi, and then it's probably Waka. I mean, he's the guy, if he can keep putting up pretty good starts, that's going to be awesome. And it's just like, I feel like whenever the Red Sox offense is doing great, the bullpen chokes. And if the bullpen's doing great, the offense can't hit. We have to find a happy medium where both are succeeding. And we haven't seen that yet, but I just want to give a quick shout-out to my guy, Xander Bogarts, batting 397 on the year, a very quiet 397, in my opinion, especially because they haven't really been great so far. But Story's picking it up now. I, I had to rep my boy Story, his jersey. Um, Devers, Dugo. JD's batting .282. JBJ's hitting better than the bottom half, like anyone in the bottom half of the lineup. Bobby sucks. Um, Arroyo is there. Um, Ploeki's better than Vasquez. Vasquez can't swing a bat. So it's just like, let's get hot, please. It's just like win. How about that? Huh? If I was, if I were the Red Sox, I'd just simply win.
3: Yeah, it, it, and I think that um, Ploeki, like talking about our catcher situation, Sivak is just so good defensively, but I love the fact that, um, that um, oh my God, Nasty Nate, loves pitching with, with Ploiecki behind the plate because we've noticed this for the past year. Ploiecki has always been the better hitter, right? Vasquez um, obviously hit a big walk-off for us last year in, in the postseason, but Ploiecki's a guy that gets it done throughout the whole year. And I think he could honestly get it done throughout the postseason as well. He's a guy that some nights when JD is out, he DHs for us. And that's big from someone that's behind your plate because you don't see that position um be so dominated by hitters. But Ploeki's honestly one of the better hitting catchers in the league. There's not a lot of them, and Ploeki's been getting it done on both sides. And he's not bad defensively either, but Christian Vasquez is just so good defensively, and it's a guy that we trust that you can't really give up on him. Um, the Red Sox pitching has been so weird, where it's like at the beginning of the season, it's something that we were scared about. Now we're a little bit less scared. Rich Hill, maybe my least favorite pitcher in the MLB right now. Um, but yeah, you're right. Waka has been getting it done. And he's a guy that's a vet that knows what he needs to do. And he does exactly that. Garrett Whitlock, a guy with Tanner Houck, not traveling with us to Toronto. Um, is a guy that stepped into a starting position, um, a position that he knows very well from being in the minors. He was originally a starter, and we know him as a length guy out of the bullpen. I'd like to see Whitlock pick up more starts. I, I think that he's a guy that could potentially be in our starting rotation um, for the better half of this season, and I think that would be very successful with him. Now, moving Whitlock out of the bullpen and into the starting rotation does raise a lot of questions for the bullpen, right? We have a lot of guys like Austin Davis, Sauer um, Ryan Brazier there, there's a lot of different names where it's like can these guys pick up two innings no they can't they suck so there's a there there's a lot of questions for moving Whitlock into the starting rotation but I think in the long run with the with the analytical plays from my manager my skipper Alex Cora I think we'll figure it out with the bullpen right and I think it's gonna come down to how much we trust Cora and not, not as a fan base, but as a team. And I think if the if the team buys into Alex Cora, I think he's one of the better managers in the league. And, and, and I think we'll be just fine come the long run. Uh, we have one more game slated in Toronto. We're down 2-1 in the series, Will, and you're right. It would be awesome if we could sneak out of there with a split. We wanted the 3-1. We didn't get it. Cora's back now. Um, I think today, uh, Thursday, they're playing around 3 o'clock. This is a big game. Um, and no Xander today, either. He has a day off core is a guy that's really big on rest. Um, you can't really be mad about something like that. He deserves his days off. He's been playing fantastic. We have a bit of an interesting lineup out there today. I'm not going to get too far into it, but it's just good to see different guys get in. I like the fact that Shaw is DHing. Shaw's just here to prove that he should be starting at first base over Bobby D. Um, I'm giving up on Bobby D, uh, completely. Um, I'm no longer a fan of him. Um, and that's about all I have to say.
4: Um, Honestly, yeah, we'll go. Oh, okay.
6: If you're looking for your next new truck, trust Rush Truck Centers, the nation's largest commercial vehicle dealer network. Rush Truck Centers has trucks in stock throughout the country, including heavy, medium, and light-duty work vehicles. Plus, they offer a wide range of programs that help coordinate, monitor, and expedite vehicle service and repairs throughout their qualified service facilities. Check out their online inventory today at RushTruckCenters.com. That's RushTruckCenters.com. Expect more from Rush Truck Centers. Please speak to your Rush Truck Centers representative for further details.
5: Um, I was gonna say I would love to see the implementation of Shaw into the starting lineup as a, almost as an everyday kind of guy. Um, I'm kind of on your side, Griff. I'm ready to fall off the Bobby D bandwagon. Not that there even was a bandwagon, because there was really no need. There was. To. It
3: was just me and you, but it was fun.
5: Yeah, exactly. It was. It was a fun ride while it lasted. Um, I would like to say if he comes back. Uh, next week in a couple weeks and he hits a few home runs gets the batting average up and he doesn't look like a fool oh we're back on the wagon for sure but as of right now as as of right now he should be riding the pine um yeah we we really we really need to take this series against the o's we really need to take this game against the blue jays we really need everything to kind of fall in right now because we noticed last year we started off hot and then we slumped right around the middle of the season just for just for a little bit and then got right back on track. I don't like the way the trend would be if this is the way we go, where we get good around the All-Star break, then fall off right after the All-Star break because we've seen it many, many times, and then we try to come back the last two weeks of the season, and now we're not looking at a great playoff spot. Now, now obviously, I'm looking way, way, way too far in the future because this is, what, Series 4 for us next yeah, uh, after today. But I mean time goes by in baseball. We're we're hitting we're hitting the summer soon. We we need that. I did want to highlight Nasty Nate's performance, even though we gave up two home runs. Um I want to say that he looked very much back. Not yeah, that he, he wasn't good. back, but like he looked very, very good. And he looked like easily... an ace exactly. He looked like our ace and especially when we get Chris Sale back, that would be huge for us too. But yes. yeah, we really need to take this series against the O's, and we really need to win today.
4: And I literally want to piggyback off of everything you just said. This is a—I don't want to say it's a must-win because obviously we have a ton of baseball left. But it, it is a must-win for confidence, you know. To to go into Toronto and split a series after you just lost one, and you've yet to win a series against a division rival. The bats are kind of picking it up, you know. Story. Had a clutch hit the other night, and then George Springer hit the walk up, whatever. But seeing guys like Trevor Story pick it up, Bogarts being hot as ever, Devers doing his thing, it's just like the top half of this lineup has the potential to carry. Kike is doing his thing as well, and it's like if the top half of the lineup can make up for the bottom half's unproductiveness, if the starting rotation can go deep enough into games where the bullpen won't be a concern, and if Whitlock or Barnes or whoever you want, Deekman who's re- struggled heavily in the last few games, yep. if those are guys who can step in and really pick it up, this team is good, man. Like, I, I don't – I think it's very um, – a lot of people are kind of forgetting that the Red Sox are a good team. They have a really good manager. They have a good offense in the top half of the lineup, and they're like, we have guys in AAA who are ready to be called up and be productive. You know guys who i'm really excited to see get called i think this year jaron duran and tristan Cassis are literally on the line of being called up especially with the lack of 60 or the lack of bobby dahlbeck's appearances like that guy sucks but Cassis is killing it in AAA, and <laughs> bobby dahlbeck sucks in the mlb it's literally a perfect pathway for tristan Cassis to get called up around the all-star break
3: yeah and i love um the fact that trevor story is our lead off i feel like um, it's something I literally, I I'm going to be dramatic about this because I've been saying this, right? Like we paid story all this money, not to bat six. He's comfortable in the one or the two hole. So stick him there. And, and you know what they did? And he's been very successful. He's yet to see uh, a ball go over the fence yet, but I, I'm ready for that to come. And I think he's ready for that to come very soon as well. The home runs are going to start coming from story. And, and the way that that happens is by giving him the perfect setting for him to have maximum confidence in what better role than to be our leadoff hitter kike was awesome leading off for us last year kike is also a guy that doesn't have to be in that leadoff right he can hit fifth And, and and today he's batting fourth he can really hit anywhere and kike is a perfect example of a guy that Yes, he succeeded leading off last year, but you can stick him somewhere else. We just need to find exactly where in the lineup that is, and he's going to be very successful. And I think it's really in that fifth, maybe the sixth spot. And I think he's gonna from there. Um, the last thing I want to say, uh, and I'll wrap it up with this, Matt Barnes is done. I'm going to officially put the seal on Matt Barnes. This this era of throwing uh, curveballs into the dirt and people check-swinging is over that's really all Matt Barnes was good at. Um, you need gas. You you need good movement in the strike zone. Um, and Matt Barnes isn't going to provide that. Uh, it's time to move on. Deekman, a guy who has a funky release, a funky uh, like formation, uh, a, a nice lefty. When he's on, he's on. When he's off, he's maybe one of the worst pitchers in the league. Um, so if, if he can find his rhythm, then then we're going to be just fine without Maddie Backpacks. Great era. Great era of Maddie Backpacks but it's just not the style of baseball that's played now. People are figuring out that when a ball is in the dirt, you don't swing at it. So um, it, it seemed too obvious, but that's how baseball is. Moving on, however. Wait,
5: um, wait, one more. Yep. I have one last thing, not necessarily about the Red Sox, but about the MLB. Um, we need to start the movement of let a third-party company make baseballs for baseball. I'm sick and tired of this whole NLB since they acquired Rawlings. The baseballs suck. That's a big, that is, big problem. A, the, biggest so problem in baseball, bad. the biggest problem in baseball right now is the baseballs. They change every other year. Last year, they were flying out of the park. This year, we're losing three feet per hit is what I think the number is right now. I'm not too sure. I, I saw something about it. I've been seeing stuff about it. Since like the second week of the season, but this week it's really starting to trend up. And I definitely wanted to say that they need to let go of that and they need to find someone else to make baseballs because they can't keep changing every year. Like, it, it literally, like, obviously, yes, it's nice to see someone new every year be good, but we can't let them be good because of a baseball. We need to let them be good because they're good.
4: Before we move on again, I forgot to even tell you guys this, but I bought a pack of Topps baseball cards. And I had two good polls. You want to see? Let's see Jerry Ran rookie card. That's why I'm rooting for him to get called up. In this Rafi patch. That's nice. So, Our
3: YouTube okay. viewers got a little show. So make sure you check this That's out true. on the YouTube. If you're listening to this on Spotify or, or Apple or wherever you listen to your podcast, you might as well just hop on YouTube right, right. now. Go exactly to the spot. We're about we're about an hour and 10 minutes in. Um and, and check out these polls. You guys need to check out the YouTube inside the five. Um, but moving yep. on, we had some questions submitted to us um, by some listeners, um, some connections, some friends, all of that fun stuff. We got a few questions. Um, we're not going to go too in-depth about all of them, um, but we're going to answer them. We're going to start things off here. Will, soccer, we haven't talked soccer since
5: Let's go. a while ago. <laughs> um,
3: and, and what perfect time in the Champions League semifinals? Will, Who is winning the Champions League?
5: I believe the last time we talked soccer, I believe I I said Real Madrid was going to win the Champions League. Look at them now in the semifinals. They played a great, 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 great game against Man City. They do have to head back to Real Madrid next Wednesday, which might be one of the hardest games that Man City will have to play all year long, which is why Mm -hmm. I think... And they're only down 1-2, and they stopped the away goal advantage. So this is literally just whoever, like I get they're starting down one, but I mean, we've seen Benzema do it over and over and over again. He's due for a hat trick again. <laughs> like,
3: right. and, and I think that in going into Madrid only up one in terms of looking this at, at a man city point of view, which uh, me and Stav as Liverpool fans will, as a man United fan, we don't really like to see from a man city point of view, but when you're going up one and you're in Madrid you might as well be losing. Like, I, I think that going to Real Madrid and you have Benzema and, and Vinny Jr. has been playing fantastic. I think he had a, a great game. Um, when you're up one and you have Kyle Walker coming back and, and it showed that that hole at right back was significant. Um, When you have Kyle Walker come back, it, it kind of gives you a little bit more uh, confidence, but you don't go into Real Madrid only up one and expect smooth sailing, right? This is going to be a difficult second leg for them. Um, I'm going to look at the other side of this. Um, We got Villarreal. That's who I, no, I'm kidding. Uh, (laughs) uh,
6: Liverpool
3: (laughs) Liverpool is my pick to win. Stav, you're a fan of them. So I'm guessing that is also your pick to win. I'll go into, I'll go into a little explanation of it. (laughs) <laughs> um, so so Liverpool has been fantastic all season, you know, FA Cup champion. Um, we beat Zach Steffen um, when he was uh, Man City's goalkeeper in the FA Cup final. Um, we have an easy path. Villarreal is terrible. We're up 2 nothing. We're going to, uh, into, into Spain to go face them. And, and I think we're going to get the job done. I think we have too much talent to lose to them, and I think we're going to play a tough Real Madrid. I, I believe that Real Madrid is going to win – Come this second leg, Charles, uh, my boy, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. He is a Man City fan. Um, But I got Real Madrid coming from the other side. And I think this is going to be one of the better uh, Champions League finals that we've seen. I I really believe that. I think that Real Madrid is a fantastic team. And I think Liverpool is as well. I think both teams are very um, talented in all positions Um, and the way that Liverpool plays the style that they play the long ball in the air at all times. We're moving, we're on runs, a lot of energy, um, in the emergence of people like Luis Diaz. Um, and obviously, you know, who's going to hold it down Sadio Mane, and, 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 uh, Trent, you know, we got Robbo on the left. Like we have some serious names, the best goalkeeper in the world and Alison Becca, and, and we're going to get it done. I really think that we're actually going to get it done. And this is, this is a big year for Liverpool. um, I don't think they're going to win the Premier League. That wasn't the question. It was who's going to win the Champions League. I'm going to go Liverpool. Moving on to the next question. We talked about it a little bit um, already, so we'll give quick answers. The one key to winning this series against the Bucs from the Celtics' point of view, Stav, get us started.
4: Um, I, like I said before, the other guys can't go off. You know, we can't let guys like Grayson Allen, Pat Connington, and uh, Wesley Matthews Go for like twenty plus. Just let, gotta contain everyone else. Giannis is gonna probably do his thing. Can't let the other guys go, crazy. Well, pass it to you.
5: Um, mine's kind of like a two and one, but really it's just one. Is uh, contain Giannis to the best of our abilities and stick to our brand of basketball. We saw that sticking to the way we play, which we know the most which is what we talked about before with having kind of like that free safety role in the middle on our defense and kind of causing havoc for the other team on offense is really working in our favor. I feel like as soon as we step away from that and we don't stick to our game plan is when we usually fall apart, which I mean, you could say that about any team, but I feel more so for the Celtics because I feel like we just see that so often in so many years in, but I feel like those are, that's the biggest key for us to winning this series. Griff. Right.
3: I'm going to, I'm going to go with, I agree with you guys. And I think, Uh, We all know what we're going to do on defense, and we all know what we're going to get from everybody else. Um, A key to this is Jason Tatum, and it it sounds too obvious, right? But with his youth, this is Jason Tatum superstar time. That's the way that I like to see it. Um, This is really where Jason Tatum proves that he's here to stay. Um, In in a tough second round matchup, obviously we swept the Nets, right? But, But the whole team did that. Um I'm looking for Jason Tatum to be one of those clutch guys and, and, and I know for a fact that he is and he's going to show it throughout this series. Jason Tatum is my key to winning this series against the Bucks. I really think that there's nobody on this Bucks team cuz there's no way Giannis sticks on him the whole time. There's nobody on that Bucks team that can guard Jason Tatum and Jason Tatum's going to get it done in the fourth quarter and this is the start of Jason Tatum being a superstar so so that's why I have him as a key I really think this is his his breakout moment this is his breakout postseason moving on next question by the way thank you to everybody that submitted uh all questions uh we really appreciate it it was awesome It, it it adds a little bit more fun um a little bit more interactiveness uh to the episode uh but moving on next question this one a pretty fun one our favorite Jordan sneaker of all time. You can either have it or not have it. Um, I guess I'll get us started here. I have the Off-White Jordan Retro One UNC, the high tops. Um, Rest in peace to Virgil. Off-White is just, I mean, I'd say the greatest street brand of all time. I think they're better than Supreme. They have a little bit more class. That, That shoe is perfect that shoe is literally perfect you look at that shoe at all times you fall in love with the shoe so that that's what i had to go with but what about you will
5: um i'm gonna go the unc 11 lows um i have though that pair my favorite pair i think i own i think that's my favorite purchase even though i haven't worn them that many times i just don't want to ruin them because for me to even get another pair of them is like well over 350 dollars. i don't think i want to put that much money back in again very true
4: Uh, yeah mine is uh the jordan 11 the retro unc lows the white and the blue i think will has those but yeah that's like yeah dream shoe so eventually when we get all the sponsorships and from inside the five like jordan i know you're (laughs) listening like michael jordan's listening himself (laughs) feel free to send a pair my way Um, i appreciate that a lot
3: yeah (laughs) all right uh moving on uh next question what is our main opinion on this year's draft class i'll get us started here once again um this is a wide receiver in an edge rusher dominant draft class if anything, there's a couple of offensive line pieces. But other than that, this draft class isn't as stacked as, as we've seen in years. I think this is a draft class where we're not going to get a ton of superstars, but we're going to get a ton of quality.
4: Yeah, I, I'm kind of in the same way. There's a lot of hidden gems here. You know, there's going to, everyone's kind of looking at the top three picks and then no one, like, top five talent and the rest of the guys, no one really talking about. You know, I think there's a lot of hidden gems, and I think a lot of guys in the second, third round are really gonna be day one starters for a lot of these teams.
5: Yeah. Um, I didn't write anything because it kind of snuck up on me, but looking at some of the talent and what we're what we're looking at here, I really feel like this is the kind of draft that we that we see where players who get drafted make an immediate impact and it's on a very low key level where they're not going to get a lot of spotlight they're not going to see a lot of shine right away but they're going to make an immediate impact for these teams and then when we look at them later down in the season and be like well damn this player made a really big impact for this team and that's why they're this good this year
3: very true very true Um moving on this is rapid fire i kind of like this segment um how far will the phoenix suns go stav get us started
4: Um, Western Conference Finals. I think we all have the same thing here. I don't think we we all have the same thing. I don't
3: even think there's much explaining it. They take them. They go as far as an injured Devin Booker takes them that that's and I think that D. book not being 100% and I don't think he'll be 100% through all the through uh, at all throughout the playoffs. I think the Western Conference Finals is their perfect time uh, to lose, it, and it's going to be to the Warriors. So I, I think the fact that we all have them at the Western Conference Finals means that it won't happen, but it's what we have. <laughs> um, we got two more questions wrapping up. One kind of for me, I guess, you could say, but I'll let you guys uh, answer this as well. I like Will's answer a lot. Um, what do the Seahawks <laughs> need to draft? Um, simple. We talk, I talked about it a little bit more in depth earlier. Um, so I'm just going to say three words. A new team. They just need a whole new team. How about you, Will? What do you think they're gonna
4: get? They need me, me, as Stav would say, me. <laughs> yeah, I agree. They need me. I will take the Seahawks back to the. No, I'm kidding. They need an added rusher, like I said before. Um, or if they if they want to draft me, just give me a call. I, mean, I think I'm available tonight. Um, I'll be a guy to step on the field, fight the opposing team's best player, and we both get ejected. It's a win win.
3: So it's, I mean that I, I mean that I guess God, I don't know I actually <laughs> know at this point. Um, but we have our final question. Once again, thank you to everybody that submitted questions. Um, if you want to submit questions in the future, make sure you're following our Instagram uh, at Inside the Five Pod. Um, final question, Will MLB the Show? Question just recently came out. MLB the Show. Um, who is your favorite Diamond Dynasty card so far?
5: Been Playing a lot of MLB in the show, I'm loving it this year. Um, I'm gonna go with an out of the box answer, but gotta stay true to home. The 83 gold Xander Bogarts, I have him parallel for. He bats leadoff for me, untraditional, but I like it. Um, he's betting like 340 something for me with like 16 home runs, so I'll take it. Or the 92 Matt Carpenter that came out like last week, lefty third yep, yep. baseman. He's nasty, he's awesome.
4: Um, um, I got I got to go with my guy, Ray Durham. I just completed the White Sox collection. I think I've played like six games with him. I'm batting 500 with him with five bombs. He really doesn't have much power, but he's a switch hitter, really fast, my leadoff guy, and I trust him. So, another guy I kind of wanted to say was that 90 Christian Yelich. It's a little bit more of an expensive card. He's like 55K stubs, but I'm batting 575 with him through 20 games. And, uh, no, not 20 games. That's crazy to say. Like, I think around 10, 10 games I've, nice. I've had him. And, um, He's he's been awesome for me. I love that card. Griff Mm -hmm. passing it back to you for the last
3: show. Um, we can't lie um I have had Christian Yelich I think I've been grinding this game I in 20 20 games played with him is actually not even out of the question for me um I've I've played a lot of MLB the Show Christian Yelich one of my favorite guys Matt Carp- Carpenter a guy that I just recently picked up because Will recommended me to him um I just finished the AL East uh collection uh and that finished with live series vladimir guerrero jr and i was like i might as well just throw him in at first base see how he works i played four or five games with him i'm batting around 700 because you know not a lot of games to uh play with him i played two games last night and i think he went eight for eight like two games combined he's just an absolute rake machine um other than that an unconventional pick face of the franchise program 90 overall cedric mullins lefty a lot of speed at center field uh he covers a lot of ground I think I have over 20 stolen bases with him, and he's batting in the 400. And, and it's a guy that not a lot of people use, but I've been very successful. Um, we play a lot of video games, right? I want to say the reason I love MOB The Show is, first, with Diamond Dynasty, they have so many different cards, so many different options of, of who you can use. And it, it's cool to see that, like I'm saying Cedric Mullins. I don't think either of you guys even use that 90 Cedric Mullins it's It's so cool that the fact that there's so many options, some people are good with a player and then some people are terrible with the player. So uh, I, I love that would be the show. We might have to start getting some gameplay up on the YouTube. Um, if you guys are interested for sure, let us know. Um, but I think that's gonna wrap up this episode, right, guys? Yeah, yeah, all right fantastic episode right around the hour and a half mark just how we like it we hope you guys enjoyed we hope you guys enjoyed the draft this weekend hopefully we we're right about some of our takes but it seems like we are never right about our takes um, no. but, Awesome.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: but but yeah of, of course all jokes aside we hope you guys enjoyed we will see you guys on tuesday and peace peace